Welcome to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm your host, Associate Editor Hannah Bubser. In this industry, the exchange of ideas and perspectives can be extremely valuable. Learning more about other shops is not only interesting, but it's also important to understanding the industry overall. Everyone has their own insights to share. For today's episode of the podcast, I spoke with Ken Frenchak. Ken is the general manager at Valvoline Express Care in Grove City, Pennsylvania. We talked about his career journey, his customers, his team, and how his shop strategizes for success. We'll start with an introduction here. Can you tell our listeners about yourself, a little bit about your career journey, and of course about your shop too? Okay. Well, again, thank you for uh, allowing me to come on your podcast here. This is really uh, something exciting for me because uh, I have a lot of information I'd love to share with with the listeners here. Uh, But to answer your first question, I've been in this business uh, with Valvoline Express Care here in Grove City for the last 10 years. Actually, we'll be celebrating our 10th year here in May. Uh, the business has been in Grove City for about 25 years. We're the third ownership group. I'm the general manager. Um, we're located, if you're looking at the map, we're located in western Pennsylvania, halfway between Pittsburgh and Erie, right along Interstate 79. And we are in the heart of the commercial oil industry, meaning Titusville, Pennsylvania is at less than an hour northeast from here. So there's a lot of rich history uh, with most of all your oil companies had some start or some exposure here in Western Pennsylvania. And I know back in April 2022, um, you spoke with Nolan for a story and you spoke with us about your family's generational connection to Western Pennsylvania and also to Valvoline, some connections there. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, both my grandfather and great-grandfather on my mom's side worked for Valvoline. Valvoline had a refinery, which was their third refinery, was located in East Butler, Pennsylvania. Again, it's just about 40 minutes south of where we're at here in Grove City. Um, They both worked there until it was purchased by Freedom Oil Company, who then eventually sold it to Ashland, who then closed that refinery because it was built in the early 1900s. I've always been a history goof, but how I got involved more with the, with the Velveline history was, of course, with having some family ties to it. But in uh, 2016, that was the 150th anniversary of Velveline. So with my family background and being a history goof, I jumped in and wanted to do some research on Velveline, what was available. So I reached out to corporate And unfortunately for corporate, corporate had a very limited amount of information on the East Butler facility. So I then reached out to the Drake Well Museum that is in Titusville, and they had filing cabinets full of information, not only about what I was looking for, but about a lot of lost velveting history that a lot of people weren't aware of. Uh, Like for example, uh, in 1929, Paragon, oil 
purchases Valvoline. So that's right prior to uh, when stock market crashed. Gulf Oil purchases Paragon Oil in the 19th, in 1930. And then in a six-month period, the president of Paragon Oil trades in his stocks and buys the Valvoline name back off of Valvoline. So a lot of people don't realize that there was a short period of time that Gulf Oil owned Valvoline. And also interesting at that point in time is, and again, this is 1929, 1930, since 1901, Valvoline paid out dividends annually. So again, the oil industry, which it has been and continues to be, is a moneymaker. And if anybody ever gets the chance, there's a 800-page book that's called The Prize, the epic quest for oil, money, and power that is out on Amazon that you can buy. And you can also watch it on um, YouTube. They have the book broken up in YouTube that, again, if you're a history person wanting to know why the crazy world is the way it is and how oil has paid or played an impact and continues to play an impact, you, you can get that backstory. And you're also a bit of a collector of Valvoline merchandise and signage uh, and those sort of things. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that too? Well, again, going back to my family history, um, both my grandfather and great-grandfather both acquired stuff when the refinery was finally closed down. So through my own mom and her brothers and cousins, I've acquired a lot of, I call the stuff trinkets, but then I've added stuff that I've bought online, have bought from other collectors and other people that have known that I've, uh, uh, that's of an interest to me. And then if we switch gears just a little bit, um, Let's talk a bit about your strategies for success in, in a shop setting. So what do you think makes your shop's service approach really stand out? It's my team. And everyone says, including my team, no, it's not. It's you. It's what you teach us. It's what you expect from us. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was in the uh, turfgrass industry for close to 25 years prior to getting involved with this adventure, as I call it. And being in sales, I saw what made uh, good companies good, bad companies bad in that industry. So by taking that, what I observed, mixing it up and adding my own personality to it has created this environment of work. And a shop that within a 10-year period, I've doubled or we've doubled the car count, even with a year and a half or two years of COVID. Um, 20, uh, 2020, we broke even, which was astounding that we were even. And the following year, 2021, we grew a car. So, you know, why is that? It's my team. Okay, so tell me some more, Ken. That, that's, a, that's a vague answer. Um, I treat my employees the way I want to be treated. 
And if they are happy to work here and want to come here to work, guess what? They're going to treat the customer the same way. It's not customer service. We sell an experience here. We don't sell an oil change. We sell an experience. So if we're giving a good or great experience to a customer, they're going to continue to come back. They are then going to tell other people what they've experienced. And, you know, it wipes the price out and anything else. Do you and do we do we make mistakes? Yes, we do. We learn by them and we, you know, we own them. And I don't know. It's just we we do and then if we we continue on, we, we talk about the, the schooling, the background. Um, Velveline offers what they call Velveline University, which is an online course. The first 30 days of an employee, they go through that. Once they graduate from that, the next 60 days, they go through the AOCA Lubetech certification. And again, they have to pass with 80% or more. And, and both of those tiers is when they also get a little bit of extra change in their uh, payroll. So, you know, we're, we're motivated that way as well. But, you know, you you make a, a big deal about people graduating from Valvoline University and how important it is, how important it is that when they become a certified lube tech and you have a party and you use your social media and you show these are our new lube techs or this, the employee is vested into what you've got, which then the excitement goes to the customer and, and so on. And I'm interested to hear more about the customer experience portion of it and those interactions that you have with customers and the relationships that you have with them. How would you describe that whole um, experience and, and those relationships? Well, we're fortunate enough that of uh, Express Care, Velvet Express Care, about three or four years ago, um, made for us or provided for us a procedure manual, policy manual, um, after I was harassing them that we needed to have some type of consistency within our group. Our group, Express Care, we're all owner-operated. The VIOC group is corporate and or franchised. So um, there's things that corporate and franchise does differently than us and, and, and vice versa, all good and bad. We didn't have anything written down as a procedure for, for that type of thing. So uh, like I said, three or four years ago, that happened. So there is a complete procedure or as I call it, a script to the show. We put on our first show every morning here at 7.30. Our last show goes on at 6. So what does that mean? If you would happen to pull up Hannah at 6 o'clock, oblivious of the time, we're going to take you in and we're going to provide you the same experience at 6 o'clock in the morning. Or I'm sorry, at, at 6 o'clock in the evening as you would get at 7.30 in the morning. Um, we do... Uh, you know, the, the customers like the call outs that, that happen. Uh, the other idea that I took from corporate and franchised was we have a TV screen that depending upon we're a two bay shop. So you're able to see what the top techs doing or the hood tech. 
you're also actually able to see what the pit tech is doing. And, you know, we introduce that pit tech when they come in, the customer comes in, hey, Hannah, I'm going to be your hood tech. Ken in the pit today is helping us is Timmy. Timmy likes to talk to himself a lot. So if you hear him talking, just don't worry about him. He's he's okay. So you try to have some fun, try to make things lightened up because again, going back to COVID, COVID has made everybody grumpy and mean for no reason. So we have this customer for 10 or 15 minutes. If we can make them smile that when they leave, again, that's what we're trying to do is, yeah, they're here for this oil change, but we're trying to create this experience that they leave here with a smile and th they want to come back and they'll tell people and, and that, and we hear that a lot. We hear that, you know, or when I'm walking through the shop, I'll hear uh, customers say to an employee, boy, you're really happy. You must really like working here. So, you know, we, we get a lot of that, but, you know, going back to the employees and, and the experience and, and how I build on things, I know that our industry is just a stopping place in a lot of people's professional lives, employment lives. So by that and knowing that, if I have a young fellow that comes in here that just graduated from high school, he was in the Votech program, he wanted to be a welder but couldn't find any welding jobs, so he comes and works for me. And one of the first things I ask the a prospective employee at the time or in, during the interview is, where do you see yourself in a year from now? And they look, a year from now? Well, yeah, what? Do you see yourself still working here? You're a welder and you have those certifications. Is that something you're wanting to do? Well, yeah, I'd probably want to do that. Okay, well, maybe as if you get hired, as time goes on, I can open a door for you to talk to a a customer that's a welder or, you know, open up a door with somebody I know. And the other thing I tell my employees is you never know who the customer is. So you better treat them nice because number one, they might be your significant other or in-laws or outlaws, however you want to look at that, or they might be a future employer because I've had that. I've had him who I know here in Grove City, people have other businesses. Hey, I really like the personality of, of Tom. If, if Tom, you ever want to get rid of Tom, you let me know because I would like to have Tom. So we've, we've, we've passed employees on to other employers in the community. And they've also had people that they were challenged with that didn't, that didn't bloom in their environment that came to me and I was able to get them to, to work and then, again, move on to somewhere else. So that also kind of also incorporates back into your, your other question of, you know, how I go about and looking at doing things. And as you were speaking there, I thought about this, too. You mentioned COVID in your responses a little bit and the impact that's had on the industry. And I'm just thinking here, are there any other pain points or, or areas that you particularly are paying attention to that 
you've had to navigate sort of in, in everyday life in this shop that you've noticed in the industry or in kind of our modern society right now in a similar vein of COVID um, areas that you think are, are kind of hard to navigate right now or that you've been navigating that you could see other shops relating to as well? The the biggest challenge I've had for the last 10 years, and, you know, again, like I said, COVID has magnified it, is finding employees. Um, Everybody has that problem. Our part of Western Pennsylvania, the county that we're in, has an unemployment rate of three and a half percent. So there aren't a lot of available prospects that are out there. And of those prospects, how many want to do the type of work that we do? So again, by doing what I do, another thing that I do for my employees is we have a book club. And in this book club, Right now, we're doing a book called uh, The Fred Factor, and we're broken down into three small groups, and we meet weekly and review a couple of those uh, uh, chapters in the book. But here in the past, we've uh, done, as I have two managers, we went through the uh, Quick Lube Expert book by M. Kevin Davis. Um, we Prior to the book that we're on now, uh, we did a, a book by the author Jeff Henderson that was that's called Know What You're For. Our next group book is going to be called Iconic, and that's by Scott McCain. And I'm currently reading a book that we're going to go over with our managers, and it's called Fans First. And it's a uh, story and or motivation or management book based on the Savannah Bananas baseball team. And it's by Jesse Cole. So again, by doing that, and, you know, I'm also challenged with, uh, and, and, and I know m the other operators and owners that are going to listen to this, we're challenged also by the educational level of a lot of our, our staff, you know, where did, where did they graduate in high school? Where, where are they at in high school now? Are they good at math? Are they good at reading? That type of thing. These books I all get on audio. So if I have someone who is a challenged reader, they can follow along with the book, listening to the audio portion being read by the by the author of the book. So again, that's something different that I'm doing. And the, and the school counselors have come back to me and said, that's ingenious with the audio book because you're now helping your employee learn to read learning words. And again, that wasn't the motive of that. The motive was to get everybody to understand and not so much to look at us, but when you go out to a restaurant, when you go to a box store, when you go somewhere, you now become more aware of, the interaction that you've got with the employee or employees and, you know, how they do things and, you know, what's going on. And it's not uncommon, particularly over a weekend, we'll have a brief meeting on a Monday morning before things get crazy here. And 
somebody will say, well, I was somewhere over the weekend and boy, they sure went against what we've been reading in the book. And man, this experience was bad and they didn't care and they didn't want to help and so on and so forth. But again, I flip it all back that, like you said, it has a lot of that has to do with COVID. And, um, you know, we could slice and dissect that into so many different pieces of things. But again, if I try to have myself and the employees be as positive as possible. And I want to round out our conversation here today by talking to you a little bit about leadership. Um, everyone in this industry has their own approach to leadership, but I'm curious from your perspective, what are some insights that you have to share on how you've really established yourself as a leader and some leadership skills that you implement in your work? That's a hard question for me because number one, what I do isn't for me. It's for my team. It's for others. That's where I get my pay. Um, if you treat your employees like they're a family member, and I'll jokingly say a family member that you like, or your best friend and how you like to be around that person, and you take interest in that employee or group of employees, that will help you as a leader that they will respect you. That's the big thing also in life right now. If I disagree with you, Hannah, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, but you might come back to me and say, well, since Ken, you don't agree with me, I don't like you. That's the way it is now in society. It's not a matter of having respect. You know, we can disagree. And I would still have respect for you. So if you respect your employees and, you know, one of the other things that we do, you know, we just came out of the, the Easter holiday weekend here. Every year I give my employees an Easter ham. Every Thanksgiving, I give them a turkey. We have a nice Christmas party. We have quarterly um, just family picnics. Um, we try to do at least one thing a year as a as a group to to go to a baseball game, to to go somewhere. This past year, we went, you know, we, we kept with the oil theme. We, we toured the, the Drake well and spent a day up there. Um, just those little things you're you're creating an impact in somebody's life and i also feel you know going back when i was saying about uh the the employees the pool of employees that we have not that these people were bad in any way a lot of them don't have confidence a lot of them are you know they've been beaten down so much that they they're just that way but again if i can create an environment to build confidence in you and i've got a knack that i can read somebody and know what they 
have confidence in and build off of that and then make them become whatever. Uh, that's the success. One of my managers who's been with me for almost four years, he never dreamt that he would ever be a manager. And again, it's just, you know, working with him, taking the time to show him. But also, he had to be open-minded enough. He had to be like a sponge to want to absorb that. So, you know, you, you can only go so far with people depending upon what their pushback is. And, and sometimes that pushback is fear that, again, it goes back to the confidence. They, they, don't, they don't do that that way. And they're afraid of if they succeed – that their friends are going to pull them back down or their friends are limiting them. So yeah, it, it gets kind of my, my style is a little bit more uh, psychology type driven, um, but it works for me. And it goes back to, like I said something earlier to you, it's my personality and, 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 and that's what, how it works or why it works. Thanks for listening to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. For more content, follow Nolan on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you never miss another. Subscribe to the Nolan Podcast wherever you listen. I'm Associate Editor Hannah Bubser, and I'll talk to you more next time. Mm-hmm.